are listening to Poldark Fancast, a podcast about the Poldark Saga, hosted by the following extreme fangirls. I'm Michelle, I live in the States. You can find me on Tumblr at Poldark Muses, and I tweet at Musings. And I'm Rita, I live in England, I Tumblr at Princess of Poldark, and I tweet at Rita Bites. This week's podcast will be discussing and recapping episode 1 of series 5. The episode aired this past Sunday on the BBC, but we know that we have people listening all across the world where it just hasn't aired yet. So we will warn you every week to beware of spoilers. Our discussion and in particular our recaps are very detailed, so if you haven't seen it, please come back after you have. As for the rest of us, let's begin the show as usual with a recap of what happened. And can I just say, can you believe we're actually starting this? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Okay, here we go. Uh, we started with a flashback to 1781 during the American Revolutionary War with an injured Ross being picked up by Ned Despard, soon to be a major character. He is brought to Dr. Dwight for some medical attention. All that appears wrong with Ross is some major head trauma. Wow, that explains so much. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Um, I'm not sure what they expect Dwight to do about it, but, you know, he is a miracle maker. Um, And he's just in this little tent. But uh, before we can find out, we're back in 1800 London. Ned is now a prisoner being visited by his wife, Kitty. He asks her to seek out Ross Poldark to help him. Back over in Cornwall, Ross, Demelza and the kids greet Geoffrey Charles 4.0, who, now that he's an orphan, has decided to leave Harrow and try to join the military, because he's a Poldark, uh, which (laughs) will require, quote, considerable funds. Uh Uh, Conveniently, his stepfather is filthy rich. George has recently packed up Chenwith and moved back to Truro, so they meet him there and beg for capital. It doesn't go brilliantly, obviously, but it really takes a nosedive when Ross mentions Elizabeth. Needless to say, they don't get that money. No. Uh, Jeffrey Charles hosts one last hurrah at Trenwith, and the whole cast is invited. They toast to Elizabeth, Francis, and Aunt Agatha. R.I.P. Francis. Yes, R.I.P. Francis. Uh, Dwight announces that he has been asked to join the Royal College of Surgeons and will be heading to London without Caroline. Horace prefers to, to summer in Cornwall. Geoffrey Charles will be joining him, lads on tour, because London is where all the money is. Geoffrey Charles also asks Marwenna and Drake to look after his estate while he is away. His estate. His estate. Note that. His estate. It's not yours yet, George. Uh, In a minor plot point that I think we all hope will be revisited later, Dwight is holding on to the potion bottle that Elizabeth took before Ursula's birth. When discussing her death with Caroline, he promises that, quote, she will not share her fate, end quote, during childbirth. Hmm. I think someone has their suspicions about what caused her death. (laughs) About damn time. Although what can be done about it is beyond me. Okay, back at Nampara in a scene that by all rights should have been in the season four finale. Preach! Ross and Amelza are <gasps> talking to each other. But for better or or for worse, in, in contentment or, or in strife, nothing in my life is meaning without you. 
nor mine without you. And no matter what the future brings, what may come between us, that you can rely on. I know, we can't believe it either. <laughs> but I am here for it! Uh, anyhow, next morning, Kitty arrives at Nampara from London with a letter from Ned. While Ross goes to think about whether to take on his cause, she and Demelza sit in the parlor and visit, quote-unquote. They quickly bond over their shared history of ex-kitchen maids turned wives, and it's adorable. Mm. <laughs> Ross comes back in the room and is like, he's asking me to take on the government, the crown, the empire, and the slave trade? So, you know, he's naturally in. And new villain alert, sound the klaxon. <laughs> Ralph Hansen has arrived in Cornwall with his daughter Cecily, and he's going to see George about his Mosquito Shaw Mahogany Company, which sounds villainous. Uncle Carrie spends the whole entire meeting trying to match make George and Cecily, but neither of them are interested, thank God. Ralph happens to mention that he was plagued by a most vexatious specimen of Irishmen back in Honduras. Now, who wants to bet he's talking about Ned? Suck a bit. Hashtag suck a bit. Meanwhile, everyone at Wheel Leisure has been dismissed for asking for more wages. Thanks, George. They've come to Ross and Demelza for jobs, but Demelza tells them that they can't afford any more pitches. She promises them she will make inquiries and see if there are any other jobs around. That doesn't please Tess. New character alert. From doing some rebel rousing and getting the poor folks to back her revolution, Inspired by the French, she wants to show the Avs what it's like to have not. Amazing accent work there. Oh, why, 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 thank you. <laughs> we now arrive in a distinctly gross and crowded looking London. I'm so happy about that. Oh my God. <laughs> it's such, it's such a shift from last season where everything was so shiny and bright. Kitty uh, leads Ross to Ned's prison. Behind them, a shady looking man follows. When they enter, they greet each other like old friends. Ned explains that after he fought in Honduras, he became governor of Mosquito Shore and got tasked with allocating land to the new colonists, who were like ex-criminals and pirates and freed slaves. However, there were already a whole bunch of colonists on the land, Ralph Hansen being one. They had been cutting timber there for generations and felt they had a right to call the land theirs, and Ned's actions seemed to jeopardise their profits. Now, the Crown takes a share of the profits, so anything which threatens the profits is ipso facto an enemy of the Crown. Or so I argued when I denounced the man. So when recalled to London, accused of acting against the interests of the Crown. By interfering with its profits, you're a traitor. Guilty as charged. And I've since lain without trial in this delightful residence. Where he may contemplate his mistakes at leisure. There we have it, listeners. That's why Ned is in prison. Meanwhile, Valentine finds a portrait miniature of Elizabeth and upsets George by showing it to him. Following that scene, George begins to unravel, first hearing her voice as if she were in the room, then confusing the maid Bessie for Elizabeth. Uncle Carrie starts to worry for him and decides to pack everyone up and head back to Trenwith. Oh my God, that poor household is always packing and moving. But honestly... Is Trenwith the right place for them to go, given George's state of mind? 
I mean, that's where he lived with Elizabeth. Why don't they go to Cardew? But, you know, stop trying to be reasonable, Michelle. I know. I'm trying to save budget here, okay? <laughs> I can't be building new sets. Ross and Dwight convince Kitty to speak at a meeting about the abolition of slavery. She gives a very impassioned speech in front of a cheering crowd. Go, Kitty. Again, sketchy men appear to be watching them. While there, Jeffrey Charles meets and begins flirting with Cecily Hansen. He invites her and the rest of the gang to see a play at Drury Lane with a little foreshadowing. The king has seen it four times. How about a fifth? Back in Cornwall, while Demelza and the kids are asleep in the master chamber, a door slams, causing Garrick to go into growly protector mode. <laughs> Good boy! Good boy! <laughs> uh, she grabs a candlestick and goes to check out what's going on. She makes her way around the house but finds nothing. The next morning, when she is discussing the incident with her brothers, she is told that other large houses in the area were broken into last night. Drake decides he should do as Jeffrey Charles asked and house-sit Trenwith while this goes on. Demelza asks Tess to be a farmhand for Nampara in hopes of winning her over, and Tess smirks and agrees. So we know that won't be ending well. Mm, no. Drake and Mawena head over to Trenwith. In a move that really doesn't make much sense, Drake comes up behind Mawena and tries to kiss her neck, further traumatizing her. <laughs> <laughs> Later that night, as they sit in front of a fire, Mawena explains that she thought marriage might ease some of that, but it hasn't. She still one day hopes of being a, quote, proper, end quote, wife to him. We arrive at Drury Lane as Jeffrey Charles tells everyone the news about an assassination attempt on the king that happened earlier in the day at Hyde Park. As they enter the theater, Ross overhears a man discussing it and saying that, quote, he had no right. I was the sacrifice, end quote. And calling the king a, end quote, antichrist, end quote. And the sound in the music kind of becomes wishy and distorted. So, you know, we're supposed to notice this is important. Even I noticed it. And I was on yeah. Twitter. Um, <laughs> back at Trenwith, Drake and Moena hear a noise and go to discover what it is. A wild George appears. Ah! When he sees Drake, he screams. Get out of my house! Get out of my house! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say the same if Drake showed up in my living room out of nowhere. <laughs> Hush, girl. Anyway, <clears throat> as the couple flee, George goes to tell Carrie what he saw. And because George has generally been crazy and seeing things recently, Carrie just does that sympathetic head nod of someone who doesn't believe a single fucking thing he's hearing. <laughs> Back at Drury Lane, uh, the bell rings as the play is about to start. Everyone heads for their seats, except Ross, who hangs back and follows the group of suspicious men from earlier. While he is sprinting down the stairs, King George arrives at the royal box. Everyone begins to sing, God Save the King, while a man pulls up a gun on the king. Ross sneaks up behind the would-be assassin and yanks his arm away as he fires his shot, missing the king. In the chaos after the incident, a man pulls up behind Ross, sticking a gun in his back, and leads him to a private box where a dude named Wickham is waiting for him. Side note, am I the only one who had a Pavlovian desire to hiss when that name is said? Yes, always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, wrong British period drama peeps. My bad. Wickham works for the crown, whatever that means, and wants to employ Ross's services aiding said crown. But covertly, if you get what he's saying, Ross agrees on the condition that Ned is freed. 
At Nampara, Demelza and the kids are in bed again. The kids sleeping while Demelza works on some ledges because she's hashtag boss lady at the mine. Yes. There is a sudden crash of a window being smashed and we watch as a slow-mo flaming dish rag sails through the broken pane <laughs> and catches a blanket on the stairs alight. Demelza finds the fire and screams for Prudy to help. Prudy is, of course, passed out drunk in the kitchen. Demelza runs back to the kids and gets them to put washclothes over their mouths so they don't inhale the smoke. She's so smart. She then douses her duvet in water and bats at the flames until she puts them out. The next morning, she asks Tess if she was the one to stop the fire. But Tess obviously denies it. But we've got our eye on her. She's suspicious. Mm Mm-hmm. She's a smirky little thing. Uh, Ned is released from prison to the delight of Ross and Kitty, but as they walk around the streets and parks of London, it becomes obvious to the viewer that they are still being monitored. Uncle Carrie reminds George that he has to prepare to leave for London as he's about to meet the king and become Sir George at last. But George's response is utterly baffling, telling him that he will, quote, remind Elizabeth it must have slipped her mind, end quote. Trying to placate him, Carrie tells him that Elizabeth is waiting for him in London. Oh, have you lost your mind, Uncle? She's sitting right there. (laughs) Oh my God, George is hallucinating Elizabeth now. Also, hi, Hayda. (laughs) Oh my God. Back at Nampara, Demelza, Caroline, and the children prepare a coach to leave Cornwall for London. Prudy is not thrilled about being left behind. Indeed, who would be a common lady's maid? And they could be Queen Anampara. Queen Anampara. And so they leave the Queen of Nampara and ride off into the credits. Da-da-da! And see. So, that was the first episode. Did you like it? You know, I really did. Even though there were a billion things and, and plot lines uh, thrown in there, um, I was shocked when the preview for next week came up. It, it seemed to go just like that. Um, yes. Yeah, and that's a really good sign that I'm just completely engrossed in a, a television show when something like that happens. Definitely, yeah. And no one is more surprised that I liked it than me, but <laughs> <laughs> I really, really did. Yeah. It was great. Um, Was it a good premiere? Did it get you excited for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think this might be the best premiere since season two. And I loved season Mm, two. I mean, there were no riots, but it still felt really bold and dynamic. While also closing some chapters and introducing new characters, like it did everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, The way the episode started with that, that high shot of the field in America and Virginia. Oh my God. That was fantastic. And I love me some backstory, yo. Um, Really grabbed my attention and sucked me into the vortex straight away. You know what grabbed my attention? Mm. Dwight's wig. Dwight's long hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) It was awesome. So how was the Ramelza for you? (sighs) It was lovely seeing them together. Uh, without their respective swords of Damocles hanging over their heads. Um, I simply adored the scene where Ross tells Demelza that nothing in his life has meaning without her. You could see how much she loved hearing that. Use your words more often, you dork. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that scene was so cute. I died Mm -hmm. of shock. 
I died of shock when they were actually talking to each other. I was like, this, this is a conversation. People are, people are talking about their feelings. This was an entire episode where everybody was just being straightforward and honest about how they felt. Yeah. Except oh my that God. scamp Tess, not sure about her yeah. being honest. But like, yeah. uh, it was really great and refreshing. I think uh, my favorite moment between them was when they were joking, though. Like, she was teasing <clears throat> him again, you know, when she mm-hmm. was like, lol, remember that time you murdered someone, you old rascal, yeah. you? <laughs> that was funny. It, it felt oh. just like the old, good old days, you know? Yeah. Um, what do you think about Ross becoming involved in espionage? Oh, I'm intrigued to see where this is going. Like, mm-hmm. they were following Ross and Kitty long before he saved the king. So I suspect they're recruiting him for something sinister. Like, my my theory is to report back on what his friend Ned is up to. So this could get really tricky for Ross, and I am yeah. down for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't mind it, if I'm being honest. It's his shtick. You know, reckless, daring, do, and all that. Um, I loved his conversation with Dwight over the whole thing. <laughs> You came to rescue me at, at Compare. That's different. You're my friend. <laughs> uh, hashtag squad goals. Oh. <laughs> They're so cute. And there were so many new characters. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, love Ned and Kitty Despar, um, especially how Kitty and Demelza warmed up to one another. And Prudy, oh, Lord, Prudy being nervous about giving Kitty the teacup. Oh, <laughs> so in character, though. Like she was going to catch something. <laughs> um, and I love Demelza's response to that. She did some serious side-eye, eye-roll action in that scene. Um, our new villain, Ralph, and his daughter, um, very intriguing. Um, and she actually looks looks cute with Jeffrey Charles. And I happen to like point. Oh, better than the last one. Oh, yeah. Uh, my favorite new character is, of course, Kitty. She's just so freaking mm. cute. Can we keep her? Yes, please. Oh, I adore her. And speaking of Jeffrey Charles, hasn't he changed dramatically between December and May? <laughs> what a growth spurt. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. J- just a touch. <laughs> exactly. We've got a historical fact check because, you know, both of us are really historical geeky nerds, but uh, Rita really went to town on this yeah, one. Yeah, I apologize in advance if you don't care, but I deeply do. This is like 50% <laughs> of why I love the episode. Um, we got introduced to actual George III in this week's episode. He stood there and he was a king. <laughs> For those of you who aren't history buffs, you might not know who that is. Here is a, I say brief summary about him, but it's quite long. Uh, This is still quite a lot, I'm sorry. Uh, And what he was up to when we meet him in 1800. Now, George was born in 1738 and succeeded his grandfather George II in 1760. He was the third Hanoverian monarch and the first one to be born in England and to use English as his first language. So that the the monarchy that we have now is all descended from the Hanover line and that's why everybody always says they're Germans. They're really Germans. Okay. Anyway, his <laughs> early reign was largely uneventful until 1775 when tensions between the American colonies and Britain erupted into a battle for independence. You may know about that. Uh, yes. Why, bit. yes. He is the king from Hamilton. 
Go listen to that song. It's amazing. Um, by the 1780s, George's mental health had started to deteriorate. He had suffered from bouts of mania in the past, but they got increasingly severe. Sometimes um, he would speak for many hours without pause, causing him to foam at the mouth and making his voice very hoarse. Uh George would frequently repeat himself and write sentences with over 400 words at a time, as well as vocabulary becoming far more complicated. These are all possible symptoms of bipolar disorder. In February 1789, the Regency Bill authorising the Prince of Wales to act as regent was introduced and passed in the House of Commons, but before the House of Lords could pass the bill, George III recovered. This would not last, and in fact, The Stranger from the Sea begins with the king's final relapse in 1810. But that's a story for another podcast. <clears throat> also, cool. the big ending of, well, Sunday's episode was the assassination attempt on George. And this was also a very real event. On the evening of the 15th of May, 1800, at the Royal Theatre at Drury Lane, during the play... Uh, playing of the national anthem while the king was standing in the royal box, James Hadfield fired a pistol at him, you know, but missed. He was later tried for treason but pleaded insanity and was acquitted. But for the safety of himself and the population at large, he was not discharged. Interestingly, up to that time, if defendants were acquitted by reason of insanity, they had not faced any certain fate and had often been released back to the safekeeping of their families. Um, Parliament speedily passed the Criminal Lunatics Act, not the most tactfully named uh, <laughs> Act oh of 1800, <laughs> to provide for the indefinite detention of insane defendants and of the Treason Act of 1800 to make it easier to prosecute people for attempts on the life of the king. So it was a very monumental event and changed laws in the country. Wow, wow. And I'm sure that, Bet- I mean, Bedlam was um, in existence at- by that time, wasn't it? Yes, definitely. So some really inhumane treatment was going on in there too. So oh, <laughs> not a good man. time to be no doubt. losing your mind. No doubt. Um. Other historical references, uh, George mentioned that he wanted Opie to do another painting of Elizabeth before she had died. Opie would actually be John Opie, a famous portrait painter of the day, who painted members of the royal family and people like Mary Shelley, Samuel Johnson, and prominent Whig Charles James Fox. He was also a Cornishman, having been born in a cottage in Trevellis, very, very close to where Winston Graham set Nampara. And uh, we actually went by uh, there uh, during both of the tours uh, when I was back there. Um, it was really kind of cool. Um, the likelihood of these two paths crossing paths was very likely, um, considering that um, the way that they had um, Trenwith um, set within the original story would have been um, fairly close to where Opie uh, resided as well. They're neighbors, basically. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that cool? Um, so let's break down each individual storyline to make sure we cover all of our bases. Um, okay. First off, Ned and Ross. Um, I found the actual backstory of Ned to be very difficult to follow the first time around. And now, even after rewatching, I'm still a bit uncertain about this character. Yes, he seems like a decent person, but I trust White. 
He has a great gut for these kinds of things, and he seems to think Ned is a troublemaker, and I don't need Ross getting tangled up with that. There was really only so many times I can watch him escape the noose. Word. I mean, seriously. Okay, um, there was also, I guess, <laughs> I guess the Tess and Demelza storyline, um... <coughs> And that happened to be one of my favorite moments of the episode was their confrontation on the cliffs mm-hmm. where uh, Tess called Demelza a kitchen maid from Luggan who married her master, got grand and forgot what it's like to sicken and stuff. I will remember that line forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Demelza gave her that sort of steely bitch please look and told her <laughs> she still remembers what it's like to starve. Um yeah, Demelza has come so far as a character, but I still feel like she could, you know, fuck a big chop if she had to. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like that side coming out from time to time. Like, Eleanor did, like, this amazing Georgia thing that she used to do when Demelza was, like, a street urchin in season one, and I had just, like, an instant flashback. <laughs> How great is it that we have so much history with, like, this one character that a single look can do that? God, I love yeah. that. Anyway, that was such a great scene. Such a great scene. Uh, anyway, Tess is annoying, Brat. Uh, I'm rooting for her downfall, but I still have to sympathize with her and her cause. It must be so frustrating knowing that the people you love are starving while others grow wealthy off of their struggle. She's just absolutely targeting the wrong people in the Poldarks. I know, seriously. I mean, if there are in, if, if there are any, if there's any family in Cornwall that is going to care so much about this issue, it's the Poldarks. I know, and George lives like right next door. Yeah. Go burn his house down. <laughs> yeah, go pester him. One concern I have is, did you see how much attention she got from Sam? <laughs> how could I miss it? Uh-huh. The boy likes the bad girls. So, so stay tuned. I mean, could there be, wind up being a redemption story and she's the one that winds up marrying Sam? I don't, I don't see that happening. She seems too far gone to me. But I, well, I, what does it say about Sam that his favorite type of woman is the kind of rebellious, mm-hmm. spunky type? Exactly. He does not like his women mild and being no. kids. I respect that in a man. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Oh, so George and his grief was probably my favorite storyline of the night. Really captivated by Jack Farthing's performance. I mean, his naked vulnerability when he was alone compared to his posturing in front of Ross. Even that when he began to lose his shit and to see Elizabeth at Trenwith, like Mm -hmm. they're all such distinct emotions every scene yeah. is beautifully acted and just bravo yeah. yeah oh man this is gonna be his season just know it um agree with you wholeheartedly um, and i'm really excited to see where this is heading um i also have to give props to pip Torrens who for his uh, portrayal of carrie um for the moment he's practically waggling his eyebrows at george over cecily but towards the end, when the instances of George's hallucinations become more frequent, the concern he shows on his face is amazing. Uh, he's always been such a snidely whiplash, but he loves his nephew. Aw, even, even he has a heart and it's amazing. <laughs> it's inside a crusty uh, uh, cage, but it's there. It's there. Uh, it's there. Speaking of hearts, Drake Mawena. 
Um, they were in like two or three scenes, and that was like heaven. Uh, <laughs> less is definitely more for these two. Like, I didn't want to fast forward, and that's a miracle. I like that they acknowledged that nothing has really been fixed with the marriage certificate. I think that's incredibly important. Uh, I'm really rooting for Moena to recuperate. For the record, not looking forward to any potential sex scenes with these two. Please spare me, Debbie. <laughs> um, I'm uh, I'm with you. Rooting for these two wacky kids, Rita. And um, they might even inspire me to dust off the old AO3 account. I had I had I had a thought come to mind. So we'll we'll see what happens. The plot bunnies are jumping. Yeah, they're jumping. You must, you must chase them. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so our favorite scenes. Um, I actually really enjoyed how the episode started. Surprising because I basically it's the only flashback I've ever liked on the show. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think starting season five, uh, mirroring the very first shot of the first season was just incredibly clever. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen the pilot of the show in a while, then. Let me remind you that it started with Ross in a forest in Virginia during the American Revolutionary War, playing cards and joking around with his inventory while they're just, you know, chilling. They're suddenly ambushed and Ross is severely wounded right on his gorgeous face. Yes. When he's knocked out, we go into a sort of like daydreamy sequence of Elizabeth running around on a clifftop with no shoes and I'm constantly every time that that thing gets played I'm like oh my god you're gonna cut your feet this is a very dangerous idea yeah Uh, so picking up in season five with him waking up from that daydream is a very interesting choice I choose to interpret it as Ross is now fully able to wake up from his dreams of Elizabeth and move on with his life it's also a neat way to remind us how Dwight and Ross met and introduced Ned. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really fantastic. And I've got to give it to Debbie. I know we've been kind of uh, uh, beating, beating, beating the uh, adaptations around with sticks for the last couple seasons. But you know something? She really she really did great on this one. And the direction of Sally, and I'm going to try this last name, and I know I'm probably going to mangle it, but it's Abraham... Abrahamian? Yeah, Abrahamian. Yeah. I mean, we tried. We yeah, tried. we tried. We tried. Because got to give her props for, for this entire episode. Really brilliantly done. Is this the first female director we've had on this show? Because... I don't um, know. I Every season I would tweet at <laughs> a poll doc Twitter like... Please get a female director. We have female writers. We have female producers. Obviously, uh, female stars. I want a female director. And then, like every year, it was just a list of men. So oh. if they finally got a woman. I am very happy. Yay. Yeah, yeah. She did a great job. Uh, what were some of your least favorite scenes? For once, there wasn't anything that jumped out for me. <gasps> even. Even the Moena Drake stuff felt proportional, so I, I can't even hate on them. Um, <laughs> I think I struggled the most with the scene where Caroline and Demelza were standing over Elizabeth's grave saying she didn't deserve her fate. It just felt a little too heavy-handed in an episode filled to the brim with so much Elizabeth. Yeah. A little subtlety wouldn't have gone amiss there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not my least favorite scene, but one storyline I need more of is Carolite. Um, 
why did Caroline want to remain in Cornwall this time? Uh, I mean, you know, she digs London, you know. Could it be because she's really feeling the loss of Sarah or, you know, something along those lines? Uh, will that develop into something? Give me some Caroline, please! Well, she's in that carriage on her way to London. Hopefully yes. we get some squad goals in the four four of them. In that would be awesome. Episode. How many tricorns would you give this episode? <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it 4.5 just for the fact that it turned me from a very cynical ice queen into someone who's looking forward to the season. <laughs> a miracle yeah, I... was performed. <laughs> Um, I give it a solid 4.5 uh, as well. Uh, I had major concerns about this, but found myself really enjoying it. Um, the addition of the historical aspects of the time was really nice, meaty bone to throw to this history wonk. I was like, yes, please. Give me more. Give me more. We did a Twitter poll to find out how many tricorns you would give the show. 58% of Twitter gave the episode five tricorns. 33, four tricorns. 15% gave it three tricorns. And 4% gave it two tricorns. And the critical response was, you know, largely positive. And live viewership was at 4.6 million people, equal mm. to last year's premiere. So overall, it was a very good week for the show. Congrats, everyone. Awesome. Well done. Um, and uh, we're going to go to Critics Corner now. And um, since this podcast is already super long, um, we're going to bring you just one quote from everyone's favorite reviewer, Den of Geeks, Louise Mellor. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, Elizabeth having croaked in the series four finale, George's favorite thing is no more. Not that it stopped him from seeing or talking to her. Cornwall's own Mad King George's grieving soap style, a subscriber to the full, quote, hallucinations and rage package. Um, to choose the parlance of the day, George is now one horse short of a barouche. He's a loon gabber, a howl o' the moon, a nine pound fruitcake, an elbow rattling hidey high. <laughs> the turn of the century, uh, the turn of 19th century wasn't known for its sensitivity to mental illness. Uh, refer back to Rita's historical point from earlier. Uh, Bedlam had only just stopped charging toffs a penny to go to, quote, pin the tail on the halfwit. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a, that's a, that's a joke. <laughs> that has to be a joke. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, let's see. Uh, it was therefore incumbent on Uncle Doom to conceal the fact that George's mind had turned to pudding for the sake of the business. The war-legging business, banking, mining, grain, and running over kittens with a steamroller, is diversifying into true evil this series. At the invitation of new villain Ralph Hansen, Peter Sullivan, George is entering the world of slave-grown mahogany. If Uncle Doom had his way, George would also be entering Hanson's daughter, Cecily. Ugh. Lily Dodsworth Evans, prime breeding stock, impressive fortune, <laughs> was his wolf-eyed, lip-licking assessment of the newcomer. Alas, soon-to-be Sir George only has eyes for ghost Elizabeth, and Cecily had her eyes set on a prize bigger than a rich husband, burning down the establishment, starting with the slave trade. 
Yes. Yes, Cecily, get it. Yes, yes. <laughs> that whole, like, it was very hard to pick one quote from that review. It is all genius. Go read it, everyone. There's an especially great point about Ross and Demelza joking about murdering. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, we need to include a link to that um, review uh, on our uh, Tumblr page and Twitter and everywhere else because that was hysterical. And I'm building a shrine to her. She is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so it's time for our inbox section. We obviously had a lot of input from you guys this week. I'm just going to be reading some of them, but we, we I want you to, to assure you that we read all of them. Um, first one, Elnan. Loved everything about this episode, well-paced, exciting, and a whole bunch of interesting characters. Kudos to Jack for Farthing. His performance of grief-stricken George was spot on. Um, Dee Dee Taylor said, I thought this was... It was fantastic. I love that Ross and Demelza seem content and George has slipped his knot and that's kind of fun to watch. <gasps> Paul Ducky said, well, what an episode, eh? <laughs> Although I was saddened at being denied sexy Romelza scenes, I liked seeing their closeness and solidarity. I appreciate being introduced to historical figures like the Despard's historical moments, like the George III assassination attempt, and of course the new characters, especially Tess Trigidum. Oh, a troublemaker. And Geoffrey Charles. Wow. I must remember we are on hashtag Polduck time. I was very pleased with Jack Farthing's performance. Incredible. Look forward to more of them. Now can we finally... Allow Elizabeth to rest in peace! Exclamation point, exclamation point, question mark, question mark. Please! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I have a feeling she's going to be sticking around for a little while. Not, so. We're not going to be rid of her until George like spreads some sage around Tren with and expels <laughs> the bad energy. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, um, on Instagram, uh, Jude Edward. Loved it. Lot going on, so I definitely need a rewatch. Jack Farthing was superb. S. Tolson said, action-packed. Danny Droid said, really enjoyed it. Think it's going to be an interesting series. And Altered Star 13 said, ah, it went so quickly. It's all so gorgeous. And um, let's see, uh, from email, uh, Matthew Lazar said, Love Demelza asking Valentine, shall I take you home to your father? <laughs> Very subtle. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, glad that Devella, Demelza and Caroline could support each other over their shared grief of losing a child. That's a real friendship and sisterhood. Um, Jan Avery said, I saw episode one today. Polduck is my absolute favorite show. I love all the characters. I loved episode one of series five. Debbie Horsfield is brilliant. Oh, how I wish the other five books were made in with these actors. I've read all 12 books multiple times and I hear these actors' voices as I read. They make the mm -hmm. stories come alive. I'm 68 and can't wait 20 years for this to happen. <laughs> how I love my Polduck. <sighs> I know, Jan. It's like, get on this. Get on this. Uh, no, seriously. I remember um, thinking to myself, oh, God, how are they going to do this? You know, like, especially if they wind up doing, you know, future episodes. You know, how long is it going to be before they do it? <laughs> Don't make it too long. <laughs> Don't make us wait too long. 
It's only a 10-year time job. They can't make us wait 20 years, right? I know. I know. Uh, let's see. From Tumblr, uh, Nani said, I have a feeling Series 5 will be very busy and heavy with more meat on its bones. Though I wish it was not ending with a cliffhanger. This is something Eleanor alluded to in an interview. Damn it. Um, because I think it will be Demelza saying she is with child. We had no pregnancy bumps this season at all. Um, I was so looking forward to seeing Bella because she is the one we never read about until she was eight after the time jump from Stranger uh, from the Sea. Quite sad about that. Debbie had enough time to add her in. We did not need Tess and other new characters and new plot lines. Stick to the core cast. <laughs> I mean, that's one way of looking at it. I'm quite enjoying the Tess character personally, even yeah. if I want to slap her sometimes. Um, uh, hell yeah. Next message was from Carolite World. Hey guys, I love the fan cast and I do actually have a few thoughts about this episode. Overall, I actually quite enjoyed it. The integration of historical characters and aspects and generally well done first episode material was great. Yet, as someone who really likes Dwight and Caroline, and we can tell by the <laughs> username, I have to say I am, as I often am, very disappointed with their treatment, being used as plot devices or sidelined as characters with almost no lines. I'd love to hear your thoughts or my love for the cast. And we agree, uh, don't we? <laughs> yes, we, we absolutely agree. Um, you know, I think it was... Um, I think our opinion about them being uh, segue devices was made very clear in our um, thoughts about series three and series four. Um, I really hope that that doesn't happen again and that we actually have um, a storyline for them to, to chew on uh, for this series. So totally agree. And thank you very much for um, your appreciation and, and support of the fan cast. We really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. uh, we have another anonymous. Um, it was three tricorns out of five for me. Very, very busy. It was like opening a book and flicking through the pages. Ross looked horrendous <laughs> in that wig. It was quite off-putting. Fickle, I know, lol. Uh, that scene with Ross and the boat was pointless. They filmed it all at Charlestown, and but and it was all scrapped because the sea was too rough. Later, they filmed it again at Carbis Bay. That crystal blue water was divine. Demelza met him on the beach, all smiles, but that was done at Hollywell Bay, <laughs> and it, that that is true. It's like the 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 uh, the scenes are done on all of these various different gorgeous beaches and bays, um, and you know we're supposed to think that they all flow together but you know ha having having been there and seen all of them you know it's i find myself picking i'll say oh hollywell oh here we go so yeah but um it was it was pretty i did actually like the shot of ross in the boat the water was beautiful the water was incredible um and it was just like okay i'm just chilling <laughs> I think he was supposed to be fishing, but it wasn't very impressive fishing. Yeah. He hadn't caught anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was like he's we never see him just chilling. And uh, I think that was kind of nice. Good so, mood setting. Anyway. Uh, our next mm -hmm. question is from Anonymous, who has more to say about this. 
Was it supposed to follow onto the farm with the family opening the farm gate? Demelza's shawl was missing. So from, <laughs> I think when they're trying to say it in the previous scene where she meets Ross on the beach, she has what a shawl. That? She goes up the hill to their home and the shawl is gone. Continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would think five years <laughs> in that they would get continuity right. It was an okay episode, <laughs> but nothing special. I think Aiden did some overacting in this. When he was sat around the table with Dwight and Jeffrey Charles talking about Ned, it felt very forced. But like some scenes in parts of season two, not sure about this at all. I was looking forward to it, but wish we had episode ten episodes in the previous series now. And um, that scene where Luke and Aiden are like sitting at the table, it felt really meta, like because you know that that yes Ross is like basically a stand-in for Ned. It, so <laughs> having Ross basically defend Ned and like <laughs> Dwight sitting there going, no, no, he's reckless and dangerous <laughs> and foolish. It felt like, you know, in the season two commentary where Luke is like ripping, <laughs> ripping Aiden for all of Ross's yes. stupid decisions and like Aiden's getting more and more like defensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the commentary track went on. I was like, yes. yeah. That everybody is just playing themselves in this scene. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Uh, we have one more anonymous. What happened to Ross's hair? And why are Drake and Morwenna sleeping in a bed from a dollhouse? <laughs> it's okay, people. Somebody on Twitter has decided to crowd crowdfund them a new bed. I feel like if we all chip in. We can oh. get something from Ikea. No oh, there we go. There we go. That's nice. As for Ross's hair, I have never seen more people complain about it in my entire life. Oh, my God. It was it was a travesty. <laughs> it was a travesty. Why is it so fluffy? Oh, my God. It was bad. Can we wig talk? Can we wig talk? Talk about where it's growing. It was bad. And the 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 blend at the hairline. Oh. Not good. It's like not actually good. like so bad that it's making him look ugly. And his face is so gorgeous, but like you're just looking at the fluff. <laughs> oh, got it. I saw I saw a number of uh comments uh on one of the threads on Twitter talking about maybe the last episode will be Demelza running around the kitchen chasing after him with a pair of scissors um, <laughs> to clip his hair into something that is um, a little more period um, uh, specific. Um, yeah. And I know that they've changed, they've changed the part. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, he's now wearing it, you know, parted slightly on the left of, you know, of, of his head. And, are we supposed to think that that makes it a little more period appropriate? No, I don't know. no we're not. We're not thinking that. We're just like going, why does he have a bob? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's the, the wig is just just painful. It's painful. And um, another terrible wig I noticed was that Morwenna's wig is now much lighter than it was in previous seasons and far curlier. Mm-hmm. And it does not yes. look right she has such dark eyebrows mm. she needs a darker wig 
Either that or they need to do something about the eyebrows. Lighten them things up. But anyway. No, don't touch your eyebrows, people. That's dangerous. <laughs> that's true. Eyebrows are precious. Okay. And I think that that's all for wig talk this week. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Join us next week where we're still going, what's wrong with Ross's head? <laughs> Okay, now oh, uh, let's look ahead to next week's episode. We can listen to the trailer now. Here he is, the root of all evil, the devil incarnate. We take a strap to eat, or I mistress here. E, mistress here. Stranger things have happened. I have come to consider insanity not as a moral failing, but an affliction which may happen to the best of us. You won't tell on us. In truth, I feel a little uneasy. I care not what my father thinks. I will uncover your accomplices. Rest assured you'll be made to pay. This conspiracy has robbed me of my name and my position, and I want them restored. So, description from Radio Times of the episode. George pursues the fruits of his new alliance, but his lingering grief has unexpected consequences, and as Ned confronts the man responsible for his downfall, Demelza fears they are entangled with forces beyond their control. Meanwhile, Drake and Morwenna continue tentative steps towards their forward in their relationship. Jeffrey Charles learns he must tread carefully if he is to gain Cecily's father's favor, and Ross tries to find a man who may hold the key to clearing Ned's name, but finds himself in a compromising situation. Dun, 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 dun. Um, uh, what are you most looking forward to in next week's episode? Um, I am looking forward to, um, seeing or to learning a little bit more about what the hell Tess is up to, because in the preview that we saw, we saw her up in the master chamber at Nampara, uh, holding up one of Demelza's dresses, um, against her. Uh, and, um, you know, I think I remember seeing, and, um, I'm sorry if we didn't catch it, uh, for, to read out on the, um, episode, but I remember seeing someone, uh, say, you know, they wonder if it's going to be an all about Eve situation. I don't know if you've seen yeah. that movie, um, yeah. or know the plot of that movie, but it's a fantastic movie, by the way. Um, and it really feels like we're going down that path. Either all about Eve or some kind of fatal attraction situation. I hope that they don't have any pets lying around while testing. Yes. Garrick! Garrick! Uh, speaking of Garrick, um, we have a new t-shirt design up on our nice. merch site. So everybody go to tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash product fancast and buy yourself a Garrick t-shirt. Um, everything is on sale for the next two <laughs> days. So it $20 t-shirt is now $14. Hey. And I, I love the Garrick t-shirt and will be buying it for myself as a dog owner. I appreciate oh. any Garrick I see. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Do they have pet sizes? No, that would have been perfect. <laughs> I'm like, gross. they have they have kids. Wouldn't that be perfect? Oh, I have st stuck a kid's t-shirt on my dog before. <laughs> Very cute. What are you looking forward to? I think I'm most looking forward to Ross and Demelza being in the same place. Just that would be nice. Oh yes. Um, 
I would like to see some more Sam. Sam mm-hmm. and his new hat are really impressing me. And I want to see if he can try and save Tessa's soul. I don't think it's going to go well for him, but I would, you know, want to watch him try. Um, and I know I, one of the things that you know, we've always joked about are, you know, like, where are the children? Where are the children? We got a lot of kids this week. I know. I know. It was great. Um, and uh, so, and the fact that they're all going to London, I think that's, there are opportunities for massive cuteness. So, fingers crossed. Please let Jeremy talk again. <laughs> He's so cute. <gasps> um, <laughs> before we go, I might spring something up on you. I was sitting here and I just saw my product card game, so I'm going to ask you one of the questions and see. Oh, excellent. Who is asked to be Jeffrey Charles's godfather instead of Ross? George or Legan. Yes. Okay. Awesome. I think we should do that every week. Yeah, we can spring, spring, spring it on me. I, you know, see if I can remember anything that happened in the past five years. <laughs> okay. Awesome. We've reached the end of the podcast, but we will be back next week recapping and discussing episode five or five o two. Until then, you should follow us on social media. Our Instagram in particular is always popping off with any new promotional photos. We just got some new photos from episode two up. Um, We've got cast interviews and news. So follow us at Poldark Fancast. We're also on Twitter, on Facebook. If you'd like to be read out in the inbox section of the show, then email us at poldarkfancast at gmail.com or go to our message page on our Tumblr. We're now on Spotify, so remember to follow us on there or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, thank you for listening, and we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Crazy. I'm crazy for feeling so lonely I'm crazy Crazy for feeling so blue I knew you'd love me as long Trying and crazy for crying
Thinking 